So here we go. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So you can turn with me there. If you don't have a copy of God's word, uh, you could join me up on the screen. It's going to be behind me as well. Acts 2, verse 42. And it says this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, somebody say all. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Uh, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Come on, there's nothing wrong with that. Breaking bread in homes, especially if it's bread. Come on, somebody. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So last week, we began a collection of talks entitled Practicing the Way. And we define uh, what it means to practice the way. Maybe you hear that and you're like, yo, what does that even mean? But it's talking about how we are reorganizing our lives around these three goals, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And so we must practice as followers of the way. Now, remember, uh, the early believers, they were not called Christians. So we use that term today, Christians, but they were actually called those who follow the way. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Star Wars, but, you know, Mandalorian, like, you know, the way. If y'all tracking with me, this is the way. (laughs) But it comes from John 14, 6. In terms of the way, when Jesus says uh, in response to Thomas that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so he was expressing to those in the room and to us that there is no other way to the Father. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to salvation except through me. I am the way. And then Jesus, he would go on or he would say in, in Luke 6, he's speaking to a crowd and he says, listen, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? Again, my kids need to be in here. Why do you call me Daddy, Daddy, and you do not do what I say? But we must put into practice the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of his way, so that we can actually live out what he modeled for us in his life because he is the way. And last week, we began by having a conversation on the way of faith. And we said that faith can be defined as the confidence that God will not lie. So in other words, we can trust his word. We can take him at his word. And we discussed how faith lives outside of comfort, that faith is public, not private. So, you know, the illustration that we gave, you know, uh, if you're dating in here and ladies, if your boyfriend was like, yo, girl, you know, you, I love you. And you so awesome, and you the woman of my dreams. But let's just keep that between you and I. We, because you know, I just want it's just we just gonna keep it between us. You were like, yo, if you don't get out of my face, right? <laughs> so faith is public, not private. So in the same way, we can't keep our faith private, but our faith must be public. And then lastly, we said that faith is not equal to feelings. 
So faith is not based on how we feel. Faith is based on what? The confidence that God will not lie. And ultimately, we landed here that we follow the way of faith by building our lives on the foundation of Jesus. So not your intellect, not money, not notoriety, not any of that. We build our lives on the foundation of Jesus. So today and for the next number of weeks, we're going to continue to build upon what it means to practice the way of Jesus. Because I believe this is that God is calling us into a place of maturity, that he's calling us to grow, he's calling us to become. That day to day, uh, in the mundane, he's calling us to continue to move on this journey of who he called us to be. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your grace, for your love, and your mercy. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you do, for all that you are doing. And Lord, we say this, speak to us, give us eyes to see, God, give us ears to hear exactly what it is that you want us to know today. Not for the purpose of retaining information, but God, so that we can put into practice what you say. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Family, I know it's Mother's Day. I really do. I know it's Mother's Day. But... I want to free some of the men in this place today. I really do. Okay, let me stop. I want to free me today. (laughs) I want to free us, I mean me, from this idea that we have to assemble everything that comes into the house. Some of y'all are with me. Like, if you're that guy, great. I'm just saying I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Now, listen, I'm not saying that I can't put anything together, but I have, I'm just saying that I've recognized my strengths and I've recognized my weaknesses, right? And that's why the Lord, he gave me an amazing woman like Katie. Because my issue, it's not, about, it's not about it being an ability situation. No, it's, it's, a, it's a patience issue. Like, I do not have the patience to follow instructions whatsoever. Like, I'm just not wired that way to take out that paper and literally go line by line and follow the instructions. You know, you know the instructions, they, they tell you what you need and how you need it. So we probably should pay attention to instructions. But apparently, at some point in my life, I decided, ah, we don't really need those instructions. We don't need to pay attention to what the creator of the product laid out for how you're supposed to put this thing together. Guys, that is the beginning of failure, if you think like that. And so there are plenty of things that I have put together that just, it don't work. It don't, no, you don't have to nod that aggressively. I mean, I know it's mother's thing. <laughs> so, guys, that screw, you needed it. It was not extra. I promise you. I found that out six months later when it, you know, the thing collapsed. Like, you needed, you were supposed to use that one. So, in my house, if something comes in and it includes a whole bunch of instructions, like I pass it off, babe, you know, and it's gotten to the point now. I don't even have to pass it off. She's like, move. I got it. Like, she just go ahead, speaks up, and takes it. But family, instructions, they really do matter. They matter in helping you assemble 
that table, helping you assemble that chair, helping you assemble that basketball goal. Instructions matter. Instructions matter because they represent the way to produce a particular outcome. That instructions can literally, in cases like I just described, be the nuts and bolts that hold everything together. And now speaking of together, now transition is and talking about us in here. Like we're meant to serve together. We're meant to worship together. We're meant to live together. We're meant to do life together. And practicing the way of Jesus, it means following Jesus together in community. And so if you will, I want to give us some instructions on just how to do that. And so we're going to have a conversation this morning around this idea, the way of community. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down, the way of community. So to give some context to our text, Acts chapter 2, it lays out the very beginning of what we call the church. And it does so in three ways. First, the Holy Spirit, it fills, he fills believers in Jerusalem and equips them with the ability and the power to teach the gospel and live the life that we've been called to live. Let me tell you, it is very difficult to live this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, Peter, he preaches and he uses Old Testament prophecy to show that Jesus is indeed the long-awaited Jewish Messiah that the prophets of old have talked about. And then lastly, what we see in Acts 2, we see people, they believe, they, they, they start to believe that the church exploded. Like it talks about how 3,000 people were added to the church that day, I mean, talk about growth. Talk about an explosion. People repented. They decided to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, and they were ready to be baptized, making a public proclamation that they were followers of Jesus. And speaking of baptisms, we're going to do that here on May 22nd. And so over these last uh, almost three months, this is week 11, if you've made a decision for uh, uh, Jesus, I want to invite you to be baptized. If you made a new commitment or a, a, a recommitment, go ahead, go public with your faith. And we're going to celebrate you. We're going to do it up. Invite your family, friends, coworkers, whoever, because listen, it's a big deal, and we're excited about that. But this is what we see in the beginning of the church. And as I talk about the beginning of the church, I want to say this. The church, listen, the church isn't going anywhere. I know what all the stats say. I know what the headlines are telling us. I know they say, well, this generation or that generation, they just really don't connect with church or whatever it is like they used to. But listen, the church isn't going anywhere. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. Now, I want you all to track with me when I say this. It doesn't say he's building your business. Watch out. It doesn't say he's building your network. He's building your notoriety. It doesn't say he's building your marriage. It doesn't. It says that he will build his church. So then it tells me if Jesus is building his church, this thing is going to last. This thing is not going anywhere. This is the thing that he is coming back for. That the local church mobilized is the hope of the world. That the church is, the, is plan A. 
That there is no, this is how Jesus is going to make himself known through us as the church. There's not another solution. And listen, I believe in nonprofits. They're making a difference through feeding programs and outreach efforts and efforts to fight human trafficking and taking care of the uh, underserved. But even with all of that, the church is what Jesus died for. And it's the church that he's coming back for. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that to diminish nonprofits. Not at all. In fact, we support nonprofits and we partner with nonprofits. On Lunch Sunday, our very first Sunday, uh, we were able to, to express our generosity with an amazing nonprofit here in the city. So please don't think that I'm saying that. What I'm doing, I'm communicating the importance and the regard that we should have for the church, that we must see it as a privilege to gather as the church. And I put the emphasis there. We don't go to church, but we gather as the church because you and I, we are the church. Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So we don't go to church when we do this, but we gather as the church. You may say, well, listen, I've been to church, and church folks are weird. And I'll say yes. (laughs) I will agree with you there. Or you may say, well, I've been there, and the people were, some people were rude, and some people were, you know, not welcoming. And I'll say that that is possible. But I would tell you, if you are looking for the perfect church, you're not going to find it. Because we are all imperfect people serving a perfect God. And, 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 and the idea of this church, we are becoming who God has called us to be. So some of us, we haven't become enough. <laughs> like God is still working on us. We're still developing. But here's what you can do. You can continue to love. You can continue to serve. You can continue to pray for them. And you can continue to show them the love of Christ. Because if we ever get to the point where we're looking for the perfect church, we're just not going to find it. Or, well, that's a place full of hypocrites. Well, that's kind of hypocritical to even say. Like we're all that to some kind of way because we miss the mark. We always, we don't get it right. That's the reason, guys, for Jesus. So if we're looking for the perfect church, we're not going to find that. But can I tell you, friends, like it is the church that Jesus is coming back for. So we don't go to church, but we gather as the church. And it is the vision, in the vision of our church, we say this. We exist, part of it, we say we exist to see people belong to community. Listen, we really believe in that. Like, I don't want to do this if we just do this. You know, we show up, we check the box. But I want it to be much more than that. That we are living life together. That we are connected in community in a deeper way together. That's why it's a big deal uh, to start these belong groups. Because we want to see us connected in circles to turn these roles into circles. That's where life, not change, because you can change and then change back. But life transformation take place. We believe in groups. And so across the church tomorrow, we're going to kick off our summer season of small groups. And I believe that we are stronger together. I really do. I know we've heard that before, and it can come off as a slogan. Oh, yeah, that's one of those things that the pastors say. We're, we're better together. We're stronger together. And I get it. It can feel like it's one of these things that you just say. But listen, we really are stronger 
together. And I believe this, not only are we stronger together, but I believe we have more in common than we don't. So often, people want to point out all the ways in which we are different. And listen, we celebrate differences. So never allow yourself to say, oh, I don't even see that. I don't even, like, no, you, you should see it. You do see it. But we can celebrate that. We celebrate our differences because all of us were made in the image of God. And so we celebrate uh, our differences and how God created us because when we do that, we're celebrating him and we're giving glory and honor to him. So we celebrate all the different expressions of his image that he has given us. And what makes it so powerful is to gather the way that we're all gathering in here. Uh, on this Sunday morning. Like we got to catch that. We understand our history and we understand where we've been and we can look across this room and we can see an expression of heaven in this place. I think that's something to celebrate, that on a Sunday morning that we can gather like this with all of our differences, with all of the issues of the past, that we can gather around the name of Jesus, that we can realize, like, yes, we've got some differences, but there is more, we have more in common than we do not. So let's gather around that. And if there are differences that are difficult to deal with because of what we have in common, we can sit and meet at the table and figure it out. But we first got to choose to say, listen, we have more in common than we do not. And oftentimes people will try to divide us about things that may actually be insignificant or not even real or not even there. And, yes, there are things that are real and are there. But, my friends, if we would stop and settle down and see, listen, we've been made in the image of God. And we will start right there and we'll let everything else go from there. But we are stronger together. Ecclesiastes, it tells us. In chapter 3, it tells us that we are better than, one is better than three because it is a bond that can't easily be broken. So what does that mean? It means we need community. And Jesus modeled that out for us. Like we know that Jesus would often go away uh, with the Father uh, to pray to the Father. Like we get that. But listen, Jesus also kicked it. <laughs> Y'all weren't ready for that one. But Jesus, he also kicked it. He liked to chill. Think about John 2, right? Jesus was at a wedding. That means Jesus made the guest list to the wedding. So, yes, cha-cha slide, electric slide, all of that. Jesus got down. <laughs> Some of you, you like, you didn't see Jesus like that. But yes, he, he, he hung out. He wasn't all so high and mighty like some of us like to pretend. That we're so heavenly minded. We're no earthly good. Like lighten up a little bit. Chill a little bit. Laugh a little bit. Enjoy a little bit. Life, like, look, there's, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of difficult moments. But just laugh sometimes. But he made the guest list to a wedding. You know, he had his disciples. And, you know, there was the 72. There was the 12. And, but then there was the, the three. Peter, James, and John. Like Jesus, he had friends. We would see where he would hang out um, at the house um, of siblings, uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Like he hung out. Like when Lazarus died, Mary and Martha sent a message to him like, yo, the one you love, like your homeboy. And then we know Jesus wept over that. Like he had friends. He lived in community with others. And I think it only makes sense that community would be at the forefront of the founding of the church. Because here's the truth, family. We're not meant to live in isolation. We're just, we're, we're not. 
We're not meant to live in isolation. I mean, look at the last two years and the effects of isolation, that it has caused everything bad to go up. Depression is up. Anxiety is up. Suicide is up. Everything that is bad is up because we were not created to live these isolated, sheltered-in-place lives. We were made for community because an isolated life is a decaying life. We need to live together. And so as we practice the way of Jesus, it looks like living in community together. But we want that to be healthy community because there can also be dysfunctional community as well. And so today, I want us to look at what the Bible says about community and how it gives us instructions for true, genuine community. And the foundation of community is hinged on this idea of being devoted. It says this in Acts 2. It talks about how they decided to devote themselves. And I love that it says they devoted themselves because, listen, I can't devote any of us to anything. That each of us must devote ourselves to the beauty of being in community. That we get the chance to spur each other on toward the things that matter. And so we're going to make some observations on how the early church, how they made decisions to devote themselves and what they devoted themselves to. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Community is devoted to scripture. So let me ask you this question. Do you have a high regard for scripture? Like where do you place the value of scripture in your life? Do you see scripture as a collection of suggestions? Like, oh yeah, that's cute that you suggest that. Or do you see it as a guide to living life in the way that God desires us to live? Because it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. When they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it wasn't like what the apostles wanted to share about themselves or anything like that. It was the, it was the word, the teachings of Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16, excuse me, 3.16 through 17, it says, all scripture. Yes, not some, but it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, I've come to find this out, that there is a difference between the, a follower of Jesus today and a follower of Jesus in the early church. See, in the early church, they believed in following the way of Jesus, and they believed that you followed him by having a high regard for his teaching. So we got to stop and look and examine and ask ourselves, like, where, where do we hold teaching, the teachings of Jesus? Where do we hold scripture? Do we see it as actual God-breathing, God-inspired words of, do we see it as his words? Because if we're going to, follow, going to be followers of the way of Jesus, we must be followers of his word. It's this idea where, where Jesus, he is king, not that he's just a king, right? That we can't see his words 
as suggestions, but we have to see them as a way of life that we put into practice. That's why Jesus asked a question in Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, but you do not do what I say? Right? We must put what he has said into practice. And this is how many of us have chosen to live, where we've decided to divorce the words of Jesus from the person of Jesus. So we love Jesus. We love the idea of him. We love all what comes from saying like, yo, I love you. I serve you. You're awesome. You're amazing. All that. But we, we want to divorce the teachings of Jesus. And so that's how we see these theologies and these things created of where we say things that Jesus actually never said. Because for some of us, we actually have never found ourselves in his word. We say we like you in everything that you bring and stand for and love and all these things. But we want to divorce the person of Jesus from the words of Jesus. But family, we must hold true to the teachings of Jesus because all the words of Jesus matter. Like the ones where he calls us to humility, we got to remember that too. The ones where he calls us to be peacemakers, we got to remember that as well. The ones where he says, love your neighbor, we can't forget that one either. See, we can't reduce Jesus down to someone who just gets us what we want. We can't see him as this genie in a bottle that, yo, let's, you know, rub the lamp and see what we can get. But we must love the person of Jesus and also the words of Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? We can't look at it like, I'll follow you as long as my life looks this way. That I've got the car, I've got the house, I can take the vacations and all that stuff. Because what we have to do, we have to lose a Western mentality of what it means to follow Jesus. That your life, hear me family, that your life being blessed is not about the house you live in. It really isn't. You can have the biggest house, someone has one that's bigger. You can have the nicest car. Someone has one that's nicer. You can take that vacation. Someone else is going to take a better vacation. So we can't define. And listen, like the Lord cares. Yes, he does. I'm not saying he doesn't care about that. But that's not, that's not it. It's so much more richer and fuller than that to follow Jesus. Because if we deem a blessed life by the things we have, then what do we say to our brothers and sisters who live in a third world environment who do not have what we have? Are their lives not blessed? Like, no, their lives are blessed because they have Jesus Christ. This is what this is all about. That's why we sing songs like we sang this morning. He is the king of kings. And we must, we must Live like Abraham, being willing to say, Lord, if you tell me the latest thing down, then I'll lay it down. Because that's not the thing that ultimately matters. What matters is obedience to you. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. So we can't have this mentality that I'll follow you as long as my life looks a certain way. Because listen, he didn't come to make us happy, but he came to make us holy. 
And holiness is consistency. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's, that's what holiness is. To say God is holy is to say that he is consistent. So he didn't come to make us happy, but he came to make us holy. He came to call us into consistency, and he is calling us to be consistent in the reading and the application of his word. So we don't just read it to gain the knowledge and gain this information, or we don't take it to turn the Bible to a bat and let me beat you over the head with what it says because your life don't look like that. No, we are called to apply it. That we don't call people out, but we call people up. So we can't treat his word like our kids treat the Apple TV. (laughs) Give me a little Disney Plus. Add a little noggin in there. And while you're at it, I'll take some Nick Jr. as well. But you can keep the PBS kids. (laughs) Family, we have to adhere to the full counsel of the word of God. And we must be careful that we don't value what culture says more than what Jesus said. Because once we do that, we're on a slippery slope. We don't want culture to shape our worldview, but rather we want the Bible to shape how we see the world. So who cares the way that, the, that culture goes? We adhere to what the word says. Now, we must be willing to take the persecution that comes along with that. That we can't change, we can't shift, that we have to hold true to what the word of God says. Because understand the persecution that this thing has been under. But yet it's still here. This being attacked is not new. But yet it has remained. The languages that it's been interpreted in is literally the highest selling uh, 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 book in, in the world every single year. And it's not even close, even despite where we are in this cultural moment. Like the word of God will not pass away. And so here it is when the early church was birthed, they figured that the next thing they needed to do was to to devote themselves to Scripture. Family, I think that's what we need to do. We don't want to see the becoming church be built off of hype, what's being given away, what has cool logo, nice-looking Instagram, none of that. We're going to do that stuff. We do that stuff. And I'm all in when we we have the uh, cookie fix. Like, I love that one. If y'all hadn't had cookie fix, like, you need to have it. (laughs) But, man, we must be built on the word of God. We must devote ourselves to the teachings of Jesus. Second observation, community is devoted to fellowship. You know, oftentimes we think we have community because we know of people. And maybe it's something we showed up to before, um, but we actually never remain committed to it. But, you know, we're like, oh, I went once, you know, so I'm going to call it community. Yeah, I'm connected. I got community. (laughs) But listen, true community is community that is established through authentic relationship. It's being intentional and meaningful with our interactions. Acts 2.42, it tells us that they devoted themselves to fellowship. And and that uh, fellowship, the Greek word is koinia. And it means this, sharing in common communion. Or you could express it this way, to share your life with others. Who are you sharing your life with? Like, who knows you? Who knows what's going on in your life? Who can you call to celebrate with? 
Who can you call to cry with? Like we have to move on from Sunday as being the only expression of community. The Sunday gathering is only an expression of what living in community looks like. But it's not the full thing, family. That this right here, Sunday should be a celebration of life that has been lived together Monday through Saturday. And when we join up in here on, on Sunday, like the energy is high, the excitement is high, the joy is high, because we connect it back up. Like, yo, you remember Thursday? Oh, man, they were like, it's a, almost like we have a weekly family reunion. That's what Sunday morning should look like because of the life that we're living in community together with each other. But we have to share our lives with others. So that's why I started tomorrow. You can log on to the website and you can find you a belong group and connect to it, right? And in the summer season, it's a shorter season than, than uh, what will be uh, in the fall and in the spring. But go ahead and go. And most of the groups are at least meeting every week or every other week. So if you miss one, it's okay. There's another one. And I know oftentimes people say, well, I can't find community. But to find community, it takes you to also look for community. So you're going to have to show up. They may be a little weird, but give it a second time, okay? Show up and find community and search for and be willing to work at it. The early church, they called this table fellowship. And you see table fellowship happening all throughout Scripture of simply sharing a table together. And in the ancient world, listen, that was a big deal because sharing the table with someone, you were making a social statement about yourself and about your guests. And so that's why Jesus shook things up in the eyes of the Pharisees because oftentimes he would be at the table, reclining at the table of sinners, tax collectors, and others not deemed socially acceptable. But listen, that's not even all who Jesus dined with. He also dined with those who were wealthy and socially acceptable. But what he was showing us when he did that was no matter your past, no matter your current situation, that we can gather around a table, that we all belong at the table. That's part of, you see, the house and the logo. That it represents a home where there's a table, and we can join around that table, and we can have and share a meal together. That we have different backgrounds and different stories and different experiences, but we can sit together and gather around food. I mean, come on. How can you not? Like, seriously. How, how, sometimes we make this thing so difficult. But you see in Scripture, Jesus is like, yo, let's eat. And, and Luke, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house and we're going to eat. Like, just sit down at the table together with someone. Like, you think about your experience with sitting down at the table, whether it's Thanksgiving or just other moments, like that's where some of the best memories of life come from because you're telling an old story or something funny that happened or you're making new memories in the moment. That's why it's important for us family to slow down. Like just breathe a little bit, slow down, sit down at the table, turn the TV off, gather the family around the table, chew your food several times. Don't eat so fast. Like, take your time and just enjoy. Like, that is a holy moment. Like, oftentimes we think the ho a holy moment is because we're together and we're worshiping and we're praying. Like, that right there is a holy moment to just simply sit down and share a meal. 
Here's the final observation this morning. Community is devoted to prayer. And I'm going to close with this. So going back to that logo, you see the logo in, in the name of the church, the Becoming Church. You see that house there. It's not there because we're like, yo, we need something else to throw in real fast. But that house is there to communicate vision. That we believe the Becoming Church will be a house of presence. I mean, with the presence of God. We want to be like, like Moses and the Israelites will say, like, listen, cloud by day, fire by night. If you ain't going, we ain't going. God, we want your presence to be with us. They want this place to be a house of praise. And what an honor it is to get to praise you and to live for you. That we want this to be a house of worship. Not a set list of songs on a Sunday morning, but a lifestyle of worship. Living in a way where we surrender the day, surrender the moment to Jesus. To be a house of generosity. That we don't hold. That we live with our palms like this. For the Lord to place things there, but then also to give things out. To be a house of serving. That we don't want to make this about being a country club, a members-only kind of situation. But we want to go out and serve our city. And we don't serve because we look for something in return. We serve because of the model that Jesus has shown us. That if you want to be great, then go serve. But then also a house of prayer. Mark eleven seventeen, Jesus says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Family, we believe in the power of prayer. A community that isn't devoted to prayer is a community that lacks power and the ability to make a difference. Ian Bounds, he says this, God shapes the world by prayer. Understand, family, your prayer has power. It says the, 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 the fervent prayer, prayer of the righteous avail much. I, I don't mean loud. I don't mean shouting. But a prayer, pray in the power of the person of Jesus. It has power. Now, don't give up on that prayer because you, it's been a year and you haven't seen it come to pass. Don't give up on believing in that prayer because it's been a decade and you haven't seen it. Listen, your prayers that you're lifting up are not just going to some empty space, but the God in heaven, he hears your prayers and he is faithful to respond. He is faithful to his word. What do I pray? Pray his word. Why? Because it's his word that tells us that his word will never return to him void but it will accomplish everything that it's sent out to do. Your prayers do not have expiration dates. Now, when you pray, make it, make it beyond you. So sometimes the realization of that prayer may be lived in your grandkids. But God, he heard that prayer. Ian Bounds, he also says this, that the secret of success in Christ's kingdom is the ability to pray. And all throughout the book of Acts, we see God using prayer as the avenue to accomplish what he desires. First prayer, then power. That we can't look at it as, well, all we can do now is pray. Whether it's a diagnosis or a crazy moment or something that just caught you uh, uh, off guard. But all we can do now is prayer as if prayer is 
well, we just throw that in. No, prayer is the way. That prayer shouldn't be a last-ditched effort, but a first-choice response that we're going to pray first. And oftentimes prayer is difficult because for many of us, we feel like it's an empty transaction because we kind of pray and we get up and it's like, well, but prayers have no expiration date. In the time between the petition and the response, it will cause many of us to become weary. And so instead of continuing to pray, we give up or we kind of just pray these half-hearted prayers. But family, I believe God is calling us back to what the early church lived out, to be devoted to prayer. Because we're not a community that only sees value in prayer, but we want to be a community that practices by doing it. How do you do that? Find you a spot. Find you a mountain. And get away and go pray. So as I close this morning, I want to go back to something we talked about earlier, table fellowship. In Acts 2, it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. They didn't share a meal together just for the sake of doing it. That wasn't the only experience. There was so much more that was happening at the table. Because, see, what happened in the garden, it not only separated us from God, but it also separated us from each other. So our vertical relationship with the Lord was affected, but so, too, was our horizontal relationship affected as well. So Jesus, his finished work on the cross, it brought us back safely to God, but it also brought us back to each other as brothers and sisters. So when it says the breaking of bread, it refers to communion. That as they gathered at the table, they would share in the taking of communion, which is a sacrament that we take part in to remember the sacrifice of Jesus for you and I. And so when you sit down at a table, family, with somebody, when you share a meal, you are sharing in the remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus for you and I. It's not just eating a meal. You're remembering Christ in that moment. That's why it is a holy moment. And so if you don't get anything out of today, I want you to get this. We're talking about the way of community. I want you to get this. We serve Jesus for ourselves but we don't serve Jesus by ourselves. We serve Jesus in community. Would you pray with me this morning?